0: This is the Master Marketer Show, powered by Proofpoint Marketing. Each week, we explore the mindsets, skill sets, and tool sets the top B2B marketers use to drive results. Gain actionable insights, one masterful, revenue-generating success story at a time.
1: Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Master Marketer Show. Uh, My name is Mike Grimberg. We've got Gabby here. And today we are chatting with Tara Robertson, head of demand gen at Chili Piper. Tara, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here.
1: Yeah, this will be a fun conversation, uh, you know, with all the talk of generative AI and the content, you know, copywriting and all that kind of stuff. Video is getting more and more prominence, and uh you can see it in the feeds and all, all that stuff. You see a lot of people switching over to video, actually. And a lot of people, I think, struggle with that because they think video is really complicated and really potentially really expensive and all that. And I think the amount of video content that we see your team at Chili Piper put out is just kind of crazy. So we're going to talk about how do you all do that and what the impact of it is. So Tara, why don't you maybe just set the stage for us? Like what does your, you know, what does the video production sort of cadence and everything look like at Chili Better?
2: Sure, yeah. So we have one full-time call him our head of creative, head of video. Um, he obviously is in the weeds on the production side, but also he's a super creative person. So he comes to the table with a ton of ideas, which obviously is helpful to me as a marketer. Um, But we're a pretty small marketing team. We're about 10 people total across the team and really everybody chips in. So you'll see our GTM managers on videos talking about new feature releases. You'll see Nolan, our head of video, talking through different products as well. But we also on the side have our podcast, demand chat. So I kind of own that with Nolan and we obviously create video and different assets out of that as well. And then we have a whole other arm that focuses on customer stories. So we're always creating video. I wouldn't say we have a strict cadence necessarily. It's almost just whenever we're doing anything, we think, should this be a video? Could it be a video?
0: And that's an interesting mindset because You know, I think back even five years ago, maybe maybe more like six to seven or eight years ago, um, video wasn't as 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 uh, prevalent in marketing, you know, in marketing teams as it is now, Um, and, and the mindset, you know, for me especially. I came from a corporate background before I started my company, and my thought around video was like, "Oh, well, we need a big production. We need to hire people. Mm-hmm. We need to get a set. We need lighting. We need makeup. We need hair." And I came from um, two corporate two corporate gigs where video was that that was video, um, but now that mindset has completely shifted shifted, and and honestly, for the better because it's allowing a lot of people. To be more involved in it, and it's and it's, I think it's a lot less intimidating. Is there still still a lot of intimidation, still a lot of trepidation when people talk about video, but a lot less than it was, um, you know, a couple of years back? What was the mindset um, that you had coming into the marketing team uh, around video, around producing video content?
2: Yeah, I think I definitely had a similar perspective of, oh, it's a really time-consuming asset to produce. Mm -hmm. I was in a previous role selling to the higher ed space where people had, I think people expect a certain level of polish and just very different audience, obviously, selling to professors versus selling to marketers. So I actually admired before joining Chili Piper how kind of scrappy the team looked and I could tell that it was the marketing team on the videos that they were producing them. They weren't hiring actors. So that's kind of what drew me in a way to Chili Piper. So I was already bought in on that. And then getting to join the team and being part of that creation was super exciting because it was something brand new for me. I'm not someone who loves to see myself on video. It's still kind of painful. (laughs) I'm sure you guys can relate. Hearing yourselves on a podcast is sometimes a little painful, but the more you do it, the more you get comfortable. And it's just another way to connect with your audience, connect with your buyers, especially, at least in my perspective, it really blew up over the pandemic because all of a sudden, it was so much harder to get your audience in a room and talk to them, right? So everyone was just using LinkedIn and getting on video.
1: And I mean, I'm curious, what what kind of mindset do you think people, you know, heads of marketing need to have around video production. And I'll qualify that question with, I think at this point, we all generally know that it's, you know, that the whole quality over quantity debate, I think, has been put to rest in general. You need both. And I think that's the part where people struggle. It's like, well, if I, I can't do both, but like seeing what you all are doing, obviously you can. How should people be thinking about that?
2: Yeah, we try to look at it as I don't like to say scrappy as a bad word. Sometimes you just need to get something out the door and test it out and see how it does versus staring at a blank doc and trying to come up with the perfect script. We often just, I'll just fill myself with a really rough draft script and then we'll work from there. So I like to think of it as not to be too much of a perfectionist. I know that can be tough, especially for some of the more creative people. They want the best, they want to put the best foot forward. They want the brand to look the best all the time. But often, at least what I've seen running our paid campaigns on social, the more scrappy, less perfect video usually performs better, which isn't always fun to share those results back with the brand team because they want to see the more polished asset win usually. But that's the reality is people want something that jumps out and looks real, right? So. It is finding that balance of we want our brand to look professional, but we also want to look like real people at the same time.
1: So how do you, I mean, you're you're preaching to the choir here in terms of I'm the get this thing out the door guy. Gabby is the, this is not on brand. What are you doing? (laughs) This looks awful. Um, How do you, how do you marry those two things together? Because I think, again, in a lot of teams, especially if you're in a bigger corporate type environment,
2: Mm -hmm. like
1: Fortune 500, let's just say, or something like that, you have those brand teams and the communications teams that are like, no, 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 this is, this doesn't have the right color or font or what, I mean, I'm, I mean, that's, those are the little things, I guess, but you know, that kind of stuff. How how do you marry those two together in terms of how can you be quick out the door, if you will, but also Mm -hmm. have some level of brand adherence?
2: Yeah. I think for me personally, there's a reason I'm not at one of those fortune 500s because I don't want (laughs) to go through all that red tape. So that's what brought me to a small team. But there is a I think there is a way. I mean for us we obviously we have brand colors that we stick to, we have fonts that we stick to. So we work within those confines, but we don't really let that slow us down. So we use obviously we're on Riverside right now. We also use Riverside. We use a tool called Descript so we can or Descript. I'm not sure how people pronounce that. Um, So I can actually cut out like filler words, make it sound more professional, but it's pretty automated. So we're not having to re-record things over and over if we don't have the time, which we usually don't. So we're able to add some polish without slowing things down way too much.
1: And what about, I'm I'm curious, you know, one of the things that we've been toying around with is more like a templatized approach in terms of Mm -hmm. here's a template that's been approved, let's just say, and content within that template is fine. Are you all doing those types of things?
2: Are you talking template for what the video looks like or
1: content? Yeah, it's either like, yeah, exactly. Like video template in terms of like standard intro, outro, for example, or, you know, things like that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We do that for things that are kind of more of a series. So podcast is a great example. Why would you write a brand new intro every time? (laughs) Hopefully you're having some kind of consistency there. So that's one example where you can templatize things. On YouTube, we do things like thumbnail templates. But I will say you have to be careful of that because then everything can look the same and it doesn't Mm -hmm. stand out. So you have to kind of change it up every now and then. But we try to templatize things, yeah, like templates, the format, um, social little clips that we share. We have a template that we pull to get our like I mentioned, our brand fonts and colors. So there are some little things that you can templatize that will save you time in the long run.
0: Before before we move on to skill set, I'd love to talk a little bit. And I have a mindset question too, because you know we talked earlier about how the fact that you know in today's marketing world it's so easy to you know just just grab your cell phone and produce a video, um, whereas in the past it was all this like. Production and expense and line items and this and that, the other. Obviously, we're all marketers on this, uh, on this show here, and we talk and, and our listeners are often a lot of marketers, but we do have some, um, you know, VP or executive level folks that listen to the show. Um, and those are the people that may not always be marketers or may, um, have a marketing team that reports to them, but they report to the CEO or to or they are beholden to a board of directors or you know what have you. Um, what do you think marketing's role is in terms of educating the executive team or the leadership team around the mind around this mindset of and to use your words like scrappy video production? What, what do you think mm-hmm. needs to happen from the marketing team? to get at least buy-in or or tacit approval from higher-ups that may not be, let's say, used to this TikTok, YouTube approach. Mm-hmm. They're, they're coming at it from a more traditional video approach. What, what kind of mindset needs to happen there?
2: I've been pretty lucky and I haven't run into this really. Partly, again, because I'm at a startup, everyone just wants us to get things moving. But one thing I've found with executives is if you have data that you can show them, it's really hard for them to argue with that. So if you spend all the time and money to make a very, very well-produced video, say use that in your paid ads and then make what you would consider a scrappy version of the exact same content and put them head to head, those numbers probably will lean in the direction of the more organic, depending on your audience, depending on your channels, all those things (laughs) that us marketers have to say. Um, But depending on all that, Usually, the more organic looking asset will win. And why would you want to be spending more money to reach the same audience? It doesn't really make sense to someone who's looking at the data and the number
0: side, as most hopefully your exec team is. True, true. Good points. Data, right? The data speaks. So you can't argue with the data. Um, let's talk a little bit about skill set because, you know, a- a- along this line, um, The traditional video production of the past meant that you needed a videographer, you needed someone to do the post-production, and you needed expensive equipment, expensive tools, and a lot of training and a lot of, um, you know, knowledge around this kind of stuff. But today, there's a lot of tools out there that allow even the most digitally inept person um, to go out there, you know, you mentioned Descript, you mentioned. Um, I mean, I I love Canva. Canva surprisingly has some pretty slick video, um, you know, editing interface. Um, and there's just so many more tools out there. Let's talk about skill set. I mean, is it still intimidating for you to for you and other folks on your team to take a video asset and chop it down as needed, or do you think that you know the skills you know you don't have to have that very polished skill set to be able to do something and put it out there.
2: Yeah, I think at first I was very intimidated by that. The more I work with our video team and something like tool like Descript is a perfect example because I can literally cut the section or highlight the section that I think would be a good social clip and then leave that to our video and social team to do their job instead of having to document every single line of copy that I want in a social clip. So it is more collaborative. I'm not doing all of the production myself, but because I have a hand in, I know what our audience thinks is interesting from what I do on the paid side. So it helps our video team because then they take my insights and use that to create the ad versus me just giving them a whole 60 minute recording and go figure out what's interesting to use for social, right? So I think the the tools definitely make it easier but I think you do still have to have that mindset of just experimentation and being willing to try.
1: Now, I'm curious about the kind of creative ideation side of things, right? Because half, more than half the battle often is like, well, what are we going to create? What's the topic going to be? What's the format going to be? All mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. You know, in the very beginning, you mentioned you know, having the uh, creative lead, or I guess I forget his title if you mentioned it, but, um, you know, him coming with ideas and concepts is a, is a big help, I guess. What can you maybe talk about the the process of the creative, the creative ideation process in terms of the again, topics, formats, that kind of thing?
2: Sure. Yeah. This is definitely a work in progress on our team as we've We've kind of shifted roles. We have a smaller team than we did last year. So everyone is really helping out with creative. Um, But one thing that we've been doing is having basically just a quick kickoff meeting when we have a new project that we want to kick off. (laughs) Seems straightforward. Um, And what we've been doing is just extending an invite to the whole marketing team. Often we'll invite a couple of people from different roles as well. So we have some people on the sales side that are super creative and that write really great outreach emails. We have some salespeople that are really on LinkedIn, super involved and love making memes and fun content there. So we invite a bunch of them to contribute too. So honestly, we're very lucky, but we have no shortage of ideas. It's just the execution piece that we struggle with because we have just so many ideas that we pull from the team. We also have a new Slack channel that I think we call it Creative Council, but that's again, that broader group, not just the marketing team, but people across the company can join if they have creative ideas. And sometimes it's as easy as, "Hey, did you guys see this TikTok?" and just dropping it in and leaving, and the marketing team picks it up from there.
0: I, I uh, go, go ahead, Mike.
1: Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious, you know, in that case, based on what you described, how do you how do you go about prioritizing all those ideas in terms of what are you actually going to execute on versus not?
2: That's the part that's a work in progress. <laughs> um, I think for me, I personally have a sense because I'm. A demand gen marketer selling to demand gen marketers. I have a sense of what people will find interesting and what will work. Where I lean on the sales team is when we're trying to create content for the sales persona or the sales audience. So usually it's, we kind of go back and forth. Um, what's tricky or can be tricky with a video is because it normally is so time consuming. You really have to be strict on your prioritization. But again, because we're so scrappy, we can on a one Wednesday afternoon create five
0: videos and get them ready to go and test. Wow. And I let's talk a little bit about that because you mentioned earlier, you know, you're a marketing team of about 10 folks. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and tell me who is, what are the different roles on your marketing team?
2: Sure. Yeah. So we have content marketing and social. So that's obviously LinkedIn, the blog, all the content we produce there. We have GTM or some people call that product marketing um, we also have a couple events and field marketing folks. Communities, our head of creative and video, and then myself, a partner marketer, and we have a CRO full time on the team as well. Who I don't know if we'll have time to get into that today, but he does a ton of experimentation on just the conversion side of our site.
0: Okay, okay. So you, you you've got you've got a very wide. Um... Group of marketers with different skill sets, different um, different areas of the business that they're working on, which is really exciting. I would not call that scrappy. By the way, I, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe my definition of scrappy is different, but I would not call that scrappy. I would call that pretty robust. Um, mm-hmm. But there are a lot of people out there that have, um, you know, even smaller teams or less resources on their on their team. Um, Given, you know, you, you mentioned that uh, that the prioritization, that there's no shortage of ideas, but the prioritization of ideas sometimes can be a challenge. But let's talk a little bit about um, teams that, that are scrappier, that have less um, resources on their team. Um, how can they go about either finding the skill set or cultivating the skill set that is needed to be able to produce, you know, let's say, three to five videos a week. You mentioned you guys are able to crank out five videos in one afternoon. What would it look like for somebody, You know, what skill sets are needed for somebody to crank out, let's say three videos a week?
2: I think the first thing to start with with video or that we try to start with every time is what's the story? What are we trying to do? So not everyone has that skill naturally, but it's something that we've all been working on across the team. I personally, I don't think that's a strength of mine, but I'm helpful in other ways. <laughs> so so often I'll come to the team and say, here's the audience we're going after. Can someone help me with what this story looks like? And we have a ton of creative people on the team, so that's helpful. But if we were even smaller, everyone would obviously have to help with the storytelling piece. So storytelling is huge. Um, I also always start with the audience and the channel. So. It's it's great to create all these videos, but we have to figure out where are they going before we create them. We know that certain video, because of just past experience, certain things will perform well on TikTok. Certain things will perform well on LinkedIn. YouTube is a whole other beast that is very tough to crack, and we've been (laughs) working at it and chipping away very slowly. But it takes a long time to build up an audience there. So that is one channel that we're experimenting with a ton and learning, but if I was a smaller team, I would probably pick one or two channels and I wouldn't try to make a different video for every single one. So they focus on the story, focus on your audience and then what you know does well on those channels. And you might have to test and iterate as you go.
0: That I really love that approach. Cause I think you mentioned something that I think is really valuable, which is storytelling, you know, make sure that your video isn't just, isn't just cobbled together go- gobbledygook, but it's actually mm-hmm. telling a story. Do you think that a skill set that's needed today for today's marketers, especially, let's you know, demand gen, but also content marketers, you know, we, we hear all the time, content is king. And people have a content-first approach in, in their marketing. But do you think that we're at this stage right now in marketing where we're looking at a video-first approach?
2: Hmm, I think it's interesting. I personally... And this is, again, just my experience. I'm not a huge video person, which okay. is funny that this is what we're talking about. I, am, I prefer to consume things just listening because I okay. like to multitask. And that's probably not a great trait in general. But that's how I work. So I personally, if something is a video format, I'm not so focused on how it's the story is presented. I'm more focused on what is the story and kind of what that is. But we've learned from speaking with customers, from just doing different, um, we use a couple different tools on the UX side of just speaking with people and getting their input. And we know that video is very important for a lot of our audience. So that's why we create it. I don't think that everyone should assume their audience is super into video Mm -hmm. and spend a ton of resources hiring a video team if you're not sure that your audience will consume them.
1: Fair
0: enough. So this idea of maybe video first is not quite there yet in marketing, Um, But certainly content is, now that's Mm -hmm. undeniable. And most importantly, you said something that's really valuable here, which is, you know, before you invest in a content strategy that includes video, make sure that your audience wants that and is seeking that from you.
1: Mm
2: -hmm.
0: So that's that's really valuable.
2: I think another (laughs) thing that is kind of a learning from us spending so much resources and time on video is we sort of let organic search and SEO fall by the wayside just a little bit because we were so focused on creating video, and then we realized, oh, we have all these great transcripts. We should probably do something with those too. So on YouTube, obviously, search is important, but we weren't making the most of our video assets. Mm-hmm. Otherwise.
1: So I, I want to maybe put a quick pin in the uh, the SEO discussion because I think that that is an important one that is often missed when it pertains to video. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm going to get a little maybe philosophical here. I'm going to pose this to Both of you make this more talk show type. So, you know, I'm, I'm curious. We're talking about, you know, is, is a video first approach, the right thing. You're both kind of saying, well, maybe not for everybody. My thought on it honestly kind of is, I think the reason why it's not in a lot of industries is because the video that has existed has been so awful. Mm. And People just don't see a need to consume it. But I, th- I think it's, it's almost like a chicken and the egg kind of problem for me. Like, you know, I look at, we work, for example, with a lot of, um, like technical professional services groups and, you know, management consulting orgs, you know, biotech consulting, et cetera. Video is not very common there. But when you think about it, those people are buying like their customers are literally buying people, right? They're buying people time. So the, the product is the people and the more you can show the people, the better it would be. The problem is, is most of it either hasn't been done or when it has been done, it's sort of your typical boring webinar with slides and whatever. And it's like, well, yeah, of course nobody wants to consume that. Um, so I'm, I don't know, I'm just curious it, your thoughts on that in terms of is it really that there are industries where video doesn't play or is it just that? there are industries where video has been so bad that it doesn't play because of that. And it's sort of like, not that if you build it, they will come, you still need to, you know, distribute it and promote it the right way. But if you start doing that, it would work.
2: Yeah. I think that's, I think it's tough to say that video is kind of ruined in entire industries, <laughs> I mean, it's possible, but um, I think it depends on what you're doing. It's funny you brought up webinars. I think, they kind of had a resurgence ish during COVID and then they kind of fell off again because people realized, Oh yeah, these are boring. This is why I didn't like webinars last year. So I don't think it's the formats problem, but you're right. Once I, as soon as I join one and there's a slide deck and it's dry, I usually just leave. So, um, so I think it is again, going back to the story, if you don't have something interesting to say no matter what the format is, it's probably not going to do well. And something like video that can be so time intensive and costly to produce. If that's, if you're starting from something that isn't great, you're going to be sinking a lot of resources into something that's probably not a good use of time, but you could say the same about a blog post or an ebook or. Yeah,
1: Yeah, that's a very fair point. And I think it kind of gets us into the repurposing discussion around of, you know, you were talking Mm -hmm. about, um, you know, if it's a really small team choosing a channel or two, um, You know, I think a lot of people think of repurposing as, well, let me just post this video on LinkedIn and on YouTube and on Facebook and whatever, and I'm done, right? And that's obviously, based on what you're describing, that's not how you think about repurposing. So maybe talk about how Chili Piper does it, how your team does it, and uh, we kind of dive into that a little bit.
2: Sure. Yeah. So one thing that we do, again, because we're a small team, I'm in charge of our ads and also... A lot of content creation for demand gen. So one thing that we do a ton is repurposing our podcast into social clips that we use, not just on our organic social but on the paid side as well. Mm. So we, I'm pretty intentional about who I invite onto the podcast and the topics that we cover because I'm thinking of how can I use this <laughs> in the future for kind of as many things as possible. Um, one thing I mentioned earlier is that we were so focused on video we weren't repurposing all of that into written content. So I think that was a bit of a miss and something that we want to improve this time around when we have our next season of the podcast in a couple months. But we were so focused on, we have this video asset. How can we slice that into different videos? Not thinking, how can we use it in different content formats that go beyond video? So we were getting a ton of shelf life out of the videos themselves by putting paid behind it, making sure our audience saw it. And then obviously we can use the organic. I I like to use the organic post as almost a test to see, okay, if our organic audience doesn't like this, I'm not going to bother putting paid behind it because right. these people chose to follow us <laughs> and they're not into it. So obviously it's not going to perform on paid.
1: I'm curious, you know, you, you mentioned thinking about um, your podcast from a repurposing lens from the very beginning. <laughs> Talk a little bit more about that. Like what, what does that you know, process look like in terms of as you're deciding which guests to invite or the format of the interview or the talking points how much of that are you taking into consideration when you're thinking about the repurposing? Or I guess flip that around, meaning how are you thinking about the repurposing when you're thinking through those things and planning for them?
2: Yeah, I think I wish I could say it was more organized, but it's really just me deciding who do I think is interesting and who should I invite. Um, but I do intentionally try to have a mix of customers and prospects. So I don't want to have a podcast where it's just customers talking about how great we are. I think no, we would not have any subscribers or maybe a handful. It'd be really boring. But I do think getting those clips from ha- very happy customers of interesting use cases is super important. And I know we can use that elsewhere. So I do mix in a couple of those throughout the season. And then on the prospect side, I try to find people that are just doing interesting things in general in demand gen. So they're probably not someone that we're actively selling to right now, but maybe when their team is bigger, they'll be ready to talk to us and they'll remember this interaction that we had.
0: So you mentioned earlier in the conversation um, that you guys are trying to crack that that YouTube nut. And I'm glad that you said that because I too have been feeling like we need to crack that nut. Um, it's, it's a tough one because I feel like it's, it's a mature platform in the sense that you know, it's been around for a while, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of very, very big personalities that have um, strong presence on YouTube, very different from LinkedIn. You know, I think as market, the three of us here as marketers, we know who the big accounts are on LinkedIn. We, we could <laughs> name them with our eyes closed, mm-hmm. um, or people that are at least very active and very um, very engaged on LinkedIn. But with YouTube, it is, it is like the a million armed octopus, in my opinion. Um, as far as the types of content that you can find, the quality of content, because there is a very wide discrepancy of like great valuable content and crappy mind, mind numbing <laughs> crap that I don't know why it's there, but it's there. Um, and then, and then everything in between. Um, tell us a little bit about your uh, the ecosystem that you've created with your po- podcast in particular when it comes to LinkedIn, YouTube, TikTok. You know, what is your strategy there? What is the approach? Because mm-hmm. I think that a lot of people that have podcasts ourselves included are looking at those three ecosystems and trying to say, okay, should everything go on there? Should nothing go on there? Should only one thing go here and something go there? I have this video. Should I repurpose it across the board? Um, I would just love at more out of my own curiosity, but I'm sure there are others listening out here today that may have that same question. Tell us a little bit about your video approach when it comes to your video purposing, repurposing approach when it comes to your podcast.
2: Sure. So in the past, I've talked a ton about repurposing, so I think I've said that a million times, but we were just repurposing other videos and throwing them up on our YouTube channel. And that was kind of, I don't even want to say strategy, but that's what we were doing. (laughs) That was just kind of it because we didn't have the resources. Um, We were seeing that they were getting a decent amount of traction. So, for example, our podcast, similar to yours, I think episodes are 30 to 45-ish minutes just people talking, there's nothing to look at really. So I'm not surprised those didn't do amazing on YouTube, but we just put them up there so people could find them. Um, One thing that Nolan, our head of video, did see success with was YouTube shorts, which I'm not Mm -hmm. seeing a ton of people using in B2B, but I think it is an untapped area because it is those short snappy ones. And what he was doing is actually taking existing assets that we created for TikTok and just bringing those onto YouTube, which normally it's a no-no to bring content from one channel to another. But in that case, it because of the short format, it seemed to work well for us. Yeah, excellent. Um, yeah. The other thing that we're doing more of is shorter vi- to the point videos, because mm-hmm. one thing that we've learned, and I'm sure this is gonna change in a week when I, as soon as I say this, but about the algorithm is if people are actually watching your whole video, YouTube rewards you.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, where if people are watching 30 seconds and bouncing, it looks like your video quality isn't great. So instead of putting all of, we're rethinking, putting all of our podcast episodes up there unedited because they're quite long and we know that people aren't getting to the end. So it's different than on a podcast app where people can just like skip forward through things or listen while they're doing something else. YouTube is very, if they're not into the content, they'll
0: probably move on and we get Mm -hmm. penalized for that. That is a really great nugget of insight there. I'm going to take that back for us as well. Yeah, the algorithm
2: might change, but I know at at some point they were penalizing us for not, or just penalizing people, not just us, for having videos that just weren't, people weren't getting to the end or getting close to the end. Yeah, I've seen
1: others tackling that through, um, I forget the, you know, kind of tagging different chapters in the video where people kind Mm -hmm. of skip through to like, uh, it's like a a lot of the, like the product, like the big name product reviewers and stuff do that, uh, Mm -hmm. things like that.
0: So let's talk a little bit about, well, one quick question that I have specific to YouTube. Um, again, I'm I'm being selfish here because I kind of want to know the answer. Um, do you have someone on your team that has a skill set in which they really understand YouTube as a platform? Because I think a lot of marketers today are really good at one platform, you know, and LinkedIn is kind of in that one, especially in the B2B community where everyone's just going all in on TikTok, uh, on LinkedIn. And now you have a small group that are testing TikTok and they're becoming really strong TikTok experts. But is having, you know, first of all, do you have a skill the skill set on your team of someone that is a really deep YouTube um, expert? And do you think that that is sort of important for marketing teams to have? Is, do you believe that that might become the next, you know, platform of choice for other B2B marketers and B2B companies?
2: That's a good question. I think we think of it as more of a search engine strategy versus a channel that people are going to, to the way that LinkedIn, you just open it up and browse for five minutes and leave. Um, we're, that's kind of how we're approaching it. So we don't currently have anyone focused on SEO in-house. But what we've done instead is have Nolan, our head of video and creative, he is basically owning our growth strategy for YouTube. So it's not something that he's, I would say an expert in, but he's the one who is looking into, Hey, there's seems to be some changes on the metric side. We should look at this new dashboard. There's changes on the algorithm. So I think it's important to have an owner. They don't necessarily need to be an expert in everything, yep. but we try to have channel owners in that way. Yeah, Perfect.
1: So let's let's play pretend mm-hmm. here and say we're, uh, whatever. we have a marketing team of three, okay? What is the one skill set that you believe is the most important if you're going to go after video? Uh, I'm going to give you four. Video production, uh, creative design, and like ideation, uh, content marketing, and demand gen. What's the skill that you absolutely need if you're going to try to get in a video? I'm not sure
2: where this one fits. I guess this is kind of a combination of content marketing and demand gen, but to me, it would be just a strong understanding of the audience that you're going after. So again, I might be biased because I'm not a super visual learner, but to me, it's more, what are you going to teach me and what can I learn versus how pretty (laughs) is the
1: content? Yep. Awesome. No, and I, I actually totally agree And the, I think at some point that video production becomes a critical thing that you're going to want to level Mm up. But in the beginning, I totally agree where it's, you know, with all the tools out there, which I know we're about to get into, you know, between Descript and CapCut and Canva, I just named three, uh, right? But you can generally get by without being (laughs) like a professional video editor.
0: All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about tool sets. It's a great segue, Mike. So Tara, tell us a little bit about the tools that you guys are using Um, And the ones that you really love and that really help you get, you know, get that video out the door as fast as you can.
2: Sure. Yeah. So I mentioned a couple already. Let me try to remember. So we also use Riverside for recording a ton of stuff. Um, For more casual conversations with customers, we use Gong to record them. And then obviously we can ask for permission later on using those in assets. But that's one area that I think is underutilized is if you have a customer that in the moment says something really cool or exciting on a call, if you can use that in an ad, which we've played around with a little bit ourselves, you don't have to do anything fancy to it. Just literally grab that from from Zoom recordings or Gong or wherever you have that data. Um, Yeah, that's that's huge to hear it in the customer's voice. We also use, I mentioned Descript, so that's where after we record things, I can pop in and make comments for our video producer. Honestly, a lot of spreadsheets, which isn't very exciting, but that's where I keep track of who we've invited to do videos with us, who said yes, and kind of managing all of that flow. We also, we actually use Chili Piper calendar links for booking guests, which is helpful um, because for some people that might be the first time they're seeing our product, which is kind of cool.
0: Trying to think what else. Those are the big ones. I'm sure I'm missing something. That's, That's a great list right there. Um and the fact that you have an in-house video expert, I'm sure Nolan has his own um you know more professional grade yeah. tools that he uses uh and, and things like that. But for the average marketer today, for the for the team that is scrappy, that is small, that may not have an in-house video expert, video producer, um you named some great tools there. Spreadsheet, you know, when you were saying spreadsheets, I was like, yep. Because there's like a million mm-hmm. clips that you can have or, or like, did I use this? Did I not use this? And then keeping track of that, which is um, not the sexy side of it, but it is, you know, an important side of it as well. Well, mm-hmm. let, let us talk a little bit about the sexy side of things. You want to hear
1: one more? I one more. Uh, you do. Tool you set. Will, you yeah. always have one more question. I always before. have one more. You know me. <laughs> uh, really quickly. I mean, we talked a lot about a software. I'm curious. Um you know, in terms of uh, like from a pr- production perspective, you know, lighting, audio, things like that, like are there sort of must haves that you think somebody needs? Let's say to get started. I'm not talking about like the professional studio build out for 20 grand or, or more. <laughs> I'm talking about sort of the, like,
2: we're just getting started kind of thing. Yeah, that's a great question. I always forget about the hardware side, I guess. Um, So we have a little kit that our head of video put together that he sends to people like me who have no idea (laughs) what to buy. Um, So we have the Shure Mic. I have a Logitech webcam. I do have lighting, but it's super sunny today, so I don't need to use it. But it's just one key light, kind of like a selfie light type of thing. Um, But that's really it. It's, It's not a ton. I think lighting makes a much bigger difference than I had realized. Before, Um, I'm in. Usually, it's really dark in this room, but today is sunny. But that just makes it look like we put a little more effort in. So that would be the one tip I would give people: is a good mic and lighting.
0: That that was that was indeed a very good question to ask Mike because I like this idea of a kit. Um, Mm. We have we we actually produce a number of podcasts for a few of our a few of our clients, and they're always coming to us and saying, "Well, what should we get? What should we do?" And Mm. we haven't put together a standard kit. But I like that idea. Pretty
1: much, I mean, we we send them the same.
0: same we we, we send yeah. Anyway, yeah. but that, that was a good one because because hardware does make a difference. All right, let let's let us talk a little bit about the sexy side of things, which is the results. So tell us, Tara, tell us about the results that you've been able to drive for Chili Piper with your approach to video content and video creation.
2: Sure. Yeah. So it's tough to parse out our results for video, because like I said, it touches so many aspects of what we do, but I can share kind of some highlights. Um, it's really tough to attribute things directly back to that video, like I said, but so on YouTube, we finally passed a thousand subscribers, which is a huge milestone. It's really, it doesn't sound huge, but it's really tough to get to on YouTube, unfortunately. So that was a really exciting one. Um, recently this year we passed 50,000 subscribers or followers, sorry, on our LinkedIn, which is also huge. And a ton of that is fueled by video. So that was super exciting for us. Um, On the podcast side, we've had over, I want to say 50,000 streams of the podcast. So obviously that's not all video. That's mostly the audio. So that's been super exciting. Um, And then, like I said, attribution is really tough for video, but we do use video in pretty much every touch point so our blog posts usually have a video our social ads have video onboarding we we use videos on the customer side too um so obviously video kind of all over the place and we are roughly able to attribute um over three million in pipeline created or influenced from marketing last quarter so this that would have been q4 so we're a little bit out of date now, but um, we're so we're trying to basically this quarter tie things back more accurately to channels. But in the past, everything was blended, so it's we can't directly tie that to video. But like I said, it touches yeah. everything.
0: That's amazing. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, I mean, what you're describing makes total sense. Like at the end of the day, trying to attribute what a particular video drove is who cares at the end of the day. It's, yeah. I mean, and those whole, conversations
2: do come up to be fair, but I try to cut them off when they do, because I'd rather be focused on just creating more things <laughs> and getting more out mm-hmm. the door versus measuring every single little thing. right?
1: Yep.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Well, I think Mike, any more questions from you?
1: No, I think we're, we're, we're pretty much right on time here for our lightning round
0: let's get started with the lightning round. Okay, Tara, what is the main KPI you use to evaluate marketing success? Sure. So I touched on
2: it just now, but pipeline from inbound. So we look at direct and influenced pipeline from marketing.
0: Excellent. What's something new you're looking forward to testing this year?
2: Um, customer marketing is a big new one for us. We've done a bunch in the past on the organic side. So we have a customer advisory board. We've done some fun events, but we haven't done anything on the paid or retargeting side for customers. So that's one big project that I want to kick off this year, especially around cross-sell. We have a lot of customers that use us for one thing and don't realize that we do so much more. So trying to get in front of them
0: that way. Exciting. Um, what is a marketing best practice that you hate and would like to see disappear? Hmm. Something that I hate.
2: I don't know. I feel like hate is a strong word. Okay. But that you just I...
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm just trying to think about a word. Um, and I have been guilty of this in the past, but I think we're finally moving away from just throwing every lead over to our poor inbound SDR team and having it be their fault when they don't hit their targets. So I think just in general, that whole concept of like every form fill is a good lead. That's one thing that I'm happy to see is kind of on the way
0: out. That is, that is a big one. Um, what is your least favorite business word or phrase? Oh my gosh. I have so many.
2: Um <laughs> I really, for some reason, hate smarketing. <laughs> it really just, oh, it gives me like goosebumps. I hate it so much. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I haven't heard that one in a little while. I, I don't hear it often up. enough to hate it, I think, but.
2: Mm. I just saw it on LinkedIn before this. That's why it was fresh.
0: <laughs> it's a cringe one. It's a cringy <laughs> one. Um, what is your favorite business or marketing book?
2: Ooh. um, this one's a little bit old. I think she has a new edition that I haven't read that I think came out last year. Um, but Everybody Writes, it's Anne Hanley. Okay. I just love her style. She's just, I find it really tough to get through most business books, but she's, she's really great.
0: Awesome. What is a favorite tool or platform that you are loving right now? Ooh. Um.
2: I feel like I've given it so many shout-outs on this episode, but I'm really into Descript. Again, as someone who's not a video person, I love how easy to use it is, and I love that it lets me take all the ums and likes out of my recordings because I have a lot, so it makes me look better. Okay, We're going to have to
1: talk after we stop the recording how you like the the new version
2: because I got
1: so used to the old one, and all of a sudden I go in and I'm like, they changed
2: everything. Yeah, they did. (laughs) I haven't had enough time to get used to it yet. I hate
0: when they do that. I just it's I,
1: literally everything is different. I'm like I don't like this anymore <laughs> anyway,
0: okay, last but not least, what is the best marketing by sorry what is the best blah, blah, uh, blah. <laughs> what is the best marketing advice that you've been given or that you've given to others?
2: Um, this might sound kind of weird in this context, but I had a Previous boss, who I was really stressed about something that was probably really silly. I don't even remember what it was. And he just pulled me aside and said, We're just marketers. We're not, this isn't brain surgery. We're not saving anyone's life. And I think just taking that pressure away lets people feel more creative and that they can try new things and it doesn't matter if it doesn't work. So I try to kind of bring that to the team wherever I can and just take the pressure off in some ways.
0: I think that's great. I think that there is an enormous amount of pressure on marketers. I think maybe we're just hardwired that way. I know I put myself through a ton of pressure when it comes to our marketing um, and and Mm -hmm. what we do for our clients. And yeah, we are are not brain surgeons. Um, So I love that. Well, Tara, this has been so wonderful. Thank you for joining us on the show. Um, Where can our listeners find you and connect with you?
2: Sure. Yeah. I'd love to connect with them. I'm on LinkedIn and I would lo- also love any feedback if everyone else is into podcasts as much as we are. Um, we have a podcast called Demand Gen Chat that's starting our next season in a couple months.
0: Awesome. And you said you're starting a new season. Is there a topic that you're you're looking to focus on for the season?
2: Yeah, it definitely sounds a bit cliche now, but really it's around just doing more with less. So I don't really want to talk to huge budget marketing teams, I'm trying to talk to teams that are around our size or smaller and seeing what creative ways
0: they're hitting their targets and
2: what they're doing that's different.
0: Awesome. I love that. Well, I know that we have a lot of listeners of the show uh, that come from a team of one or a team of few. Mm -hmm. So, And we have some great recommendations we can throw your way of past guests. So we'd love to to talk more about that. Well, Tara, Tara, oh my God, (laughs) edit this out. Tara, thank you for joining us so much on the show and uh, everyone else. Thank you for listening. And we'll be back next week with another episode of the Master Marketer Show. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the Master Marketer Show. We'll be back next week with more B2B marketing success stories. Visit our website, www.proofpoint.marketing, for the full episode library, complete with show notes, guides, templates, and more. Make sure to follow Proofpoint Marketing on LinkedIn and YouTube so you never miss an episode. Listen every Wednesday wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time.